0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. And uh, this is a special edition of our podcast. We have two really awesome guests with us today. We have Max and Tristan uh, from the Army National Guard. They are the recent winners of the Army National Guard Sniper Competition. And we got them on to talk about their strategy and uh, how they trained for it and what their overall experience was. So for those of you guys who are first time listeners to the Modern Day Sniper Podcast, what is this podcast all about? Uh, This podcast is all about the journey of the modern day rifleman and the path that we all take towards our own personal excellence. So whether you are an enthusiast, a hunter, a competitor, or a seasoned competitor, or a military law enforcement professional, this podcast is all about what you guys do and following your passions. So Without further ado, if you guys are uh, return listeners, thanks for coming back. And let's jump into the content that we got today.
1: So what's up, guys?
0: How's it going? Thanks how's, for having uh, us.
2: How's, uh, how's everything going with you guys? Uh, pretty good. Just kind of getting back winding down from the comp. It's a total gear explosion here in my basement as it normally oh, I'm, is. Oh. I'm sure. Yeah, so let's go ahead and just uh, you know give the audience and kind of the viewers some um, just a real quick background on you guys. Max Miller. Uh, I've been a sniper for just over a year now. Graduated from the National Guard sniper course. Um, so I lucky enough before I went to school to attend the Army Mountain Rifleman course. So I almost got to kind of use that as a little pre-sniper and get ready for it. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have Tristan drag me along to Winston sniper comp last year. I managed to pull off a second place and then uh, we had to come back this year and got the win. So I'm a little bit newer to it, but it's just been taken over by the passion and just been loving long range shooting and just sniper field craft and everything about it in general yeah man so, uh go ahead
0: <clears throat> no I'm, I'm sorry i was i was just gonna throw in there max you've only been doing this for for a year now
2: yeah a little bit over a year now i've been sniper qualified i was in section for about a year prior to that you know obviously getting good train up there fantastic man that's phenomenal That's that's awesome. phenomenal dude yeah, thank you
3: um, yeah, I'm Tristan Ivkov. Um, I've been a sniper. I went to school back in October of 2017 uh, down in Arkansas. It was a National Guard um, sniper school there. I was fortunate enough to shoot this uh, national match. We kind of consider it the the National um, Guard, you know, national match. And I shot it in 18, 2018, and uh, every year since then. So. Um, i've shot it with max the last two years and prior to that i shot it uh with a good friend of mine micah fulmer and we've taken second place every single year uh this year finally we we pulled out a w and that felt good um and then we also got the opportunity back in 2018 to shoot the international sniper competition where we also took second uh there so a little bit of a last last minute heartbreak on that one but um super super stoked with where we finished on that and uh Honestly, it's been quite the journey. I would have never expected to be here um, shooting amongst some of the best snipers in the world. And it's been pretty, pretty sweet.
0: That's awesome, man. Congratulations to both of you guys. That's a yeah, feat seriously. that, um, you know, you know, especially with the the junior nature of your experience in terms of, you know, the years, the duration um, that's kind of like a, the more and more we see that now, like the, the time that you've been doing it is, I guess, um, largely irrelevant if the skills are there as you've both proven so that's awesome yeah i
2: think it just shows a lot of credit to the instructors too i know you guys are both instructors right so they're creating like really quality product for the army because we're seeing teams like the third place team this year iowa they had both just graduated school i think oklahoma had too and they I got sixth place. They're seeing really junior guys coming in, and they're obviously getting a lot from the course if they're able to come perform that well.
0: Now, do you guys shoot on your off time?
3: We try to. Not right. near as much as we probably should. Um, I think uh, we both get pretty preoccupied with some other stuff. But, um, yeah, any chance we get, we try to get out on the range, but it's never enough. What's your guys' day
2: jobs look like?
3: Go ahead, Max. I work full-time with
2: the guard actually some with the military funeral honors program. Um, so helping out there, but normally nothing to do with running guns or anything.
3: Crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm an aspiring bow hunter and outdoorsman <laughs> trying to make a name for myself in that industry right now. And when I'm not doing that, uh, I run a family ranch west of Boulder, Colorado, and then I help operate a uh, horse and cattle ranch down on the front range. Okay, cool. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I guess, um
1: if you were to sum up you know I guess every month or three every quarter how many rounds do you think you're, you guys are shooting uh, down a down a long gun
3: well I'll, I'll say this yeah I'll say this as far as it, training with a unit um we probably get two range range days a year um so it's pretty minimal there unfortunately but as far as you know on our own time uh, between the hunting season and then actually just getting our own range time where we're going and putting our own steel out on public ground and and whatnot, I don't know. Probably, you know, if we're lucky, a hundred rounds a month, and and that's pretty generous. So right, that that'd
2: be on the higher end for sure. Yeah,
0: that's that's normal. I mean, unfortunately, that's super normal, and and yeah, a hundred rounds a month is definitely on the high end. I mean, that's uh, yeah, it is what it is. It sucks. So.
1: Well, I think it's a testament, like you said, to your instructors and, and having that solid foundation. You know what I mean? Uh, to always fall back on when you guys do go to train. You know, because you see a lot of competitors right now that are slinging. God, they're probably slinging 100 rounds a week because they they have the means to. You know what I mean? But at, for as far as competitive shooters, but they don't get anywhere because they don't have uh, focused or you know task driven training. You know what I mean? They're just they're just Going to the range aimlessly and, and not knowing what they don't know does that make sense no absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Where, where i think you guys because you guys are school trained you guys have that foundation you know it's like all right hey we're going to set up this what We're going to work on i'm sure uh, i'm assuming and correct me if i'm wrong but yeah walk us through how like
2: um you guys get ready and and, and train for this competition i mean, so like me whatever kind of guy crappy towards uh, the beginning of the comp here so I didn't go out to actually shoot rounds as much but I know that girlfriend came by and gave me some weird looks because I'd have a tripod up and just be dry firing against the wall or something <laughs> um, and not to teet your guys horn sworn too much but like honestly, like videos from you guys or other people in the industry just hammering fundamentals like that's how I think you're successful at these competitions is you can shoot from any position or doing any crazy thing if you just execute
3: fundamentals properly. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I mean, it's it's the little things that, that we do that a lot of people, I think, overlook, um, even if we're not getting range time, which obviously, like we talked about, is kind of a hard thing to come come by. But, you know, as long as you're getting on some sort of gun, if you can, or, or like me, I'm shooting a bow all the time. So, you know, there's a little bit of trigger control on that. And I think that that kind of transfers over to uh, shooting a rifle as well. And um, getting those dry fire drills and being familiar with your equipment I think it goes a long way. And even if you can't get out on the range, there's little things you can do every single day to, to kind of maximize your efficiency with that. And then going back to what you guys were just talking about, as far as the instructors and what we learn and whatnot, when we finally do get range time, usually it's limited and usually our rounds are limited also. So um, being efficient with what we are practicing and not wasting rounds on, on things that aren't beneficial, that's a big thing and I feel like Thanks to our instructors and our peers and the people we've gotten to work with, we've really maximized our efficiency when it comes to actually training. So talk, uh, talk to us, uh, yeah. Talk to us more about uh, beneficial
1: training because um, you know we just want to hear from your guys's and, and what your guys's, um thoughts on that are as far as what what's not beneficial and what you feel is beneficial. Cause I think people obviously hear Kalen and I talk about that shit all the time, right. On our podcast. So we want to hear from you guys like what you feel is beneficial for your training. And it's like, uh, that's, that's just a complete waste of fucking time.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, everyone just wants to stay on their belly and be comfortable. So I'm like a big point of like get off your belly, get in your kit, shoot under stress. Cause that's like what combat is like, what all the competitions are. So you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable, and then when you're not on the range, you need to be familiarizing yourself with your gear. Like uh, it's like just an example. of like, hey, how do you like set your PBS thirty to be like perfectly mounted? Because you know it's like total a uh, pain in the ass to set up, or like making sure you're constantly running over all the math we have to do, or hey, you know your mover's data is like all the constant tiny little things. Like you need to just even just talking about it, I think helps like monkey. Both of my roommates are snipers, one in our section and one from the NSW side. So normally conversation devolves into shooting or field craft or something. And I think even just talking about it or having it in your head, just all the little things we have to do is, is useful we Just need to stay fresh.
3: Yeah, I yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, I think there's a, a super fine balance between um, Gaining that confidence is obviously shooting is a perishable skill. And for for guys like us that aren't on the range every single day, I think it's important to build that confidence right when you come back. And so that's where we try to instill your fundamentals and you get back into the routine of things and and you're hitting, um, you know, point a point of impact and you're getting confident, you're building that confidence again. But I think it's important to step outside of that comfortability zone and start doing some things that you're not very good at um, and exposing those flaws that you have. And once you start to do that, you know, you realize where you're deficient, what you can start to work on more and more. And then, you know, even though you may not be doing near as well, uh, saying like you're, you're kneeling or you're off your, off your tripod stuff, the, that's the stuff you need to work on. So I think instilling that confidence right out of the gate and then moving past that quickly is, is uh, definitely helpful.
0: So when you guys, when you guys say that, um, when you go to like a unit training day, uh, who's responsible on your end for making sure that, that the plans adhere to, and everybody's doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And, um, uh, basically the training is organized and structured and who's, who's responsible for that. So, um, I'll
3: base this off of our most recent, uh, range day. It was actually for our annual training. We got to go out there, um, it was just a few months ago. Um, unfortunately, our section leader was out at that point in time. I myself uh, am a team leader and am probably the most experienced aside from our section leader. So, given all my uh, opportunities to go to various competitions and various <laughs> trainings and whatnot, I kind of put together the training plan for that. And um, I love teaching. I'd, I'd rather teach than shoot most times, so it works out uh, swimmingly for for me on that on that portion. But um, I kind of put together the training plan and then sit back on glass and, and run guys through uh, various drills and um, try to get the junior guys and the guys that maybe aren't qualified yet the most uh, trigger time possible.
0: Yeah, that's that's a common thing, especially even, even in our world, too, on the Marine Corps side of the house. You, you have these junior guys that are getting ready to go either to school or um, – you know, it's our responsibility as, in, as leaders in that section or that platoon to make sure that they're spun up and ready to go. Um, and I think that there are some fundamental flaws with the thought process of saying, OK, well, we're responsible for making sure that these guys have everything they need before they go to school. Whereas now the now the senior guys that are um, supposed to be maintaining that skill set, maintaining that that. Um, that readiness. Now they can't because they have to, or they feel as though they have to get these junior guys ready and they then lose time that they need to train as well. Cause we all need to be proficient. And so I think sometimes it's like a fundamental flaw in the way that the school is set up in the sense that it's my belief that when we, when we go to a school such as any, like any basic course, I should be able to take somebody that's just, that's met the prereqs, like, Hey, You got an expert rifle score. You got a a first class PFT. You got a GT of this, so we know that you can actually use your brain. um, And you've met all those other prereqs. That curriculum should be set up to produce a sniper, right? Right. That guy should not have to show up with all of this other stuff um, in place in order for him to pass. And if that's the case, then, then you know the curriculum needs to be addressed and it needs to look be looked at because you know, we're wasting, you know, we're wasting that. And that's just the result of just a um, an improperly tuned pipeline, right? It's actually like, it's got a lot of 90s in it when pipelines need to be straight.
1: Absolutely. You, you know, I think it's, um, I think it's awesome that for the last three years, Tristan, you've been at the competitions and I, and I feel like that is where you drive a lot of your training ideas from probably. 100%. Um, you know, a, a lot of probably your failures and stuff like that. I mean, I remember my first competition was actually Sam and you know, I was really a cyber school instructor at that point. And after a couple stages, I was like, man, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing instructing because, <laughs> because <laughs> it, 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 humbles you. You know what I mean? It's oh, like yeah. you, you, you go there and, and you think that you're going to fucking clean up shop. Uh, and it's like, man, you get fucking one out of 10 shots <laughs> and, and you're like, holy fuck, you know? Um, but the, I guess for the Marine Corps side, it's like everything is so institutionalized. And Caitlin, you can kind of agree on, on this. When a guy gets on with a basic course, you know, all he knows is what he did at the basic course. So that's just what's constantly regurgitated in terms of like, hey, what you're training on, which is, you know, unknown distance, uh, milling out targets and stuff like that. So it's cool to to know that because you guys are seasoned competitors um you guys are bringing that training value back to your units and i think that's i think it's way beneficial over and, and i get it you know the 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 basic course has you know it, its purpose in terms of instilling the foundation but you know if i was looking back at my in time as a chief scout and you know focus on just training my marines to get ready for school or ready for combat i would more enforce the the uh the competition aspect that you guys have been doing because that's, I think that's, is going to set them up if anything more successful when they go to school.
0: Yeah. I mean, from a, from a combat snipers perspective as well, um, engagements can be very, very strange in the sense that you're just like, ah, this could be like a super long run, you know, running gun battle where you're in engagements uh, constantly throughout the day. Or it can be very similar to shooting a stage in a match where it's just like this massive, super intense flurry of activity for, you know, three to five minutes. And it's really, really intense. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done in those three to five minutes of intensity. And that's kind of what like a, you know, what a a well-designed rifle stage can, can do is to get you to think and get you to move get you to shoot get you to move and get you to communicate all at once and once you have the ability to kind of understand how to blend those three things together you can create some really cool training scenarios for your guys and hell even if you just run them through a bunch of stages like that in a day i mean obviously that's just marksmanship um with some with some some combat stuff included in there with you know the communication and the movement aspect of it um but you know if you just did that for a training day and said, all right, man, this is what we're going to focus on with marksmanship or we're going to focus on the first half of the day with a few, with a few stages. And then the other half of the day, we're going to focus on, you know, basic skills, field skills, observation stuff, just to make sure that that stuff stays sharp. It's important.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't argue with any of that. I think, um, and granted, neither one of us have been to combat, so I can't speak to that um, specifically, but guys I've talked to, they say that, uh some of the best training to sort of mimic combat is introducing a time crunch uh introducing Mm -hmm. physical um you know events that that gets your heart rate elevated and whatnot and if we can't um you know obviously we can't mimic exact combat uh scenarios but we utilize these these match schemes in these stages and it kind of incorporates a level of stress that these newer guys are not used to Mm -hmm. and you know like we talked about before it exposes a lot of flaws and those flaws then can be kind of honed in on and and then uh hammered hammered down onto as far as you know really working on them a little
0: bit more so yeah man no it's that's good stuff it's you know when you start looking at it like what what's the objective What's the objective of of training, and we have to have the end state objective, right? Which is readiness, and making sure that you know we're never going to be able to be ready for for anything, for everything. It's just not the way it works. But what we can do is we can get we can get a really really good baseline established, from which guys can then make educated and meaningful decisions off of right their baseline skills. Mm-hmm. So um, that's good. I mean, you guys. May, having you having that leadership aspect and, and knowing what you know uh that that unit that you guys belong to is already a step ahead way many many steps ahead actually
1: well talk to talk to us about your loadout what uh would you guys uh, what was the minute like what's the, what was the loadout this year
2: for uh absent go ahead um so yes yeah, so i'm the gear nut between us two so i'm typically like running like a first line um the Winston, I'm hoping they incorporate it next year as much as everyone's going to hate it. I kind of want us in play carriers and helmets next year
1: okay.
2: um, instead of just uh, running the gun belt. Because again, like you're not going to do that in real life. Um, but just a couple mags. I'm the spotter, Trish is the shooter, so I'm typically running around the scope. Um, just try to keep it pretty simple. It is luckily, we definitely game the equipment to the event when you're in the staging area. Yeah. I'm not gonna bring up all the extra stuff I need or all my gear, sometimes they make us, but typically just try to be as streamlined as possible just to be efficient. Were you running um, this uh, uh, SAS, I'm, I'm assuming? as I was, yeah, I was, okay. yeah. And I got uh, super lucky this year and they were let me run the new Mark V scope on it. Um, okay, so it's nice. a huge upgrade from the uh, TMR. Um, And then, yeah, Trisha is running the 2010 with uh, its normal scope. What else? You had, a, yeah. you had a kestrel hud yeah own. so i was yeah. i was
3: rocking a kestrel hud on the side which is just kind of like a more or less a, a live updated electronic feed of all my data yeah. um, that streams line, streamlines a lot of things uh you know i the, it cuts down the unnecessary communication between shooter spotter if if i can get a good range on something then i already know you know what my data should be and i and i'm already working towards that uh, meanwhile max is behind me he's reading wind he's gonna get in a good feel for the range and um you know starting to identify other targets and and I think that cuts down uh, on a lot of time wasted. And I think that was extremely beneficial to us this
0: year. So time management was one of your key factors that you wanted to hone in on on training?
2: Absolutely. Since we started shooting together, we didn't bust time on a single event this year, which we're both pretty proud of. We're you, actually, guys you guys didn't time out at all? I don't think on a single event. Yeah, and that's this year. legit. And there were a few we rushed too much. We could have slowed down and been more efficient. AK, okay. there are definitely times like I tried to like rush a shot, just get down and take it. And like, I didn't get an actual point of aim or anything at all right that was terrible. But we also didn't bust time. So it's it's that balance because we we're talking earlier about, yeah, some of the events that they made where, so if you bust time, you got zero points. So definitely gaming oh, yeah. for the event, you kind of get into the argument of how realistic that is from a training standpoint. But I think it was a good job on the instructors this year of making an event that was both challenging to people that had shot this in the past or maybe used to competition, but also for guys that just graduated sniper school. And, like, for a lot of them, that may have been their first time, like, shooting off of, like, a ladder or something dumb. Right. So it was a good balance where everyone learned and definitely kicked our ass. I think most of the events, like, a 50% hit point or hit range was like good which that was the most demoralizing yeah. thing I think is it's just having to accept that reality that a 50%
1: was actually par or above yeah. average right if you were like maintaining 50% you're going to win the match but it's like it's like that's a hard shit. To, Yeah,
0: it's yeah. a hard mental shift to, it is to dude because you're like out.
1: man I shouldn't even be here <laughs> like the whole time I, I remember I was like man I shouldn't even
2: be here right now I'm fucking
1: disgraced <laughs>
0: who's, who's responsible for setting up the course of fire for that match
2: uh keo did most of it but i think it was just a kind of big think tank between all of national guard sniper instructors um and then a few of them had like inputs or they had a lot of matches from last year i noticed but like they made them harder so they had a don't rock the boat match and last year it was just the platform and it really didn't rock that much like oh this isn't that bad hey stop moving all right break the shot we're good and this year they had it up on these giant rocks that as soon as you get on it, you would literally flip to the side. You're like, oh, this is an ordeal this year. Fun. Um, so they definitely ump the any on a lot of things. Made it challenging.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Um, I've taught a couple classes down there at the at um uh little rock out there at um was that Fort Robinson? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's a cool place to train.
3: Yeah, we uh we shoot this competition in uh, Fort Smith at, at um, Fort Chaffee, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's it's an extremely um, incredible uh, place to shoot. I mean, the ranges are at their next level. And uh, I think kind of going back to who set these, you know, this competition up, um, the NCO I see for this match was our first class, Noe, and he's been in, uh, an, instructor for, for several years. And I think, you know, he's kind of come into that that role and absolutely knocked it out of the park. Um, as we talked about, keo has got a lot of, um, he's got a lot of say on the, on the match schemes and whatnot, because he has a lot of experience. He shot the international, he's been to these competitions, you know, he, he's extremely creative and crafty, but then all the other instructors there are also very creative and i think they work hand in hand with one another kind of creating different matches different schemes and whatnot i don't think there's one mind that's kind of controlling everything you kind of get a little bit of of everyone's input and Mm -hmm. it makes each and every event just you know that much more different and unique
0: right that's awesome man you
3: you guys uh, squatted with (laughs) other teams
2: yeah so they typically like Just because of how huge the competition field was this year, it kind of broke us up 50 50. Okay. Um, So you get a chat with everyone. That's like my favorite part about this competition, honestly, is you get a lot of quality LMTV time riding out to ranges. And so getting to just kind of shoot the shit with guys from all over the country and seeing, like, hey, what are you guys doing different? Like, what equipment are you running? And I think you learn so much by just casually talking to other snipers about that. And this one is the first time I've got to shoot with the Marine Corps. We had some Raiders out there and some uh, SOI East guys. Uh, so it's super fun to like see, like, hey, how do you guys do stuff different or, like, different weapon systems and capabilities. Or, it was just a huge think tank. It's super fun.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's really important, I think, because um, uh, my time frame, I'm showing my age here, but I got out in 2005. So we didn't have any of this stuff happening back then. Like that, that was not a thing. And so your ability to do, um, inner, inner service communication was not, uh, easily facilitated, right? You'd have to either go at it on your own and be like, Hey man, I'm going to go call up these dudes from the army and talk to those guys. We just didn't have those opportunities, um, that we have now to be able to integrate with other services and say, okay, so what is it? What are your SOPs at the Marine Corps? Or how do you guys do it in, in the Raiders? Or that's, that's really important because there was a huge divide. Like there was a huge separation between even what the Marine Corps and the army did for, for many, many years. And even though that, you know, the services are different there, the training curriculum's pretty, it's it's not much different, right? It, it, it's not much different across the board. It's just the different ethos and the different culture that gets put into the curriculum as a result of you know what service it is. Um, but being able to see, uh, like I've spent some time here at First Group over here in Washington, I'm in Washington State. So First Group's right across the rock pile from me. And I've been over there and watched the First Group cadre, you know, conduct their course, uh, when it was called sodic and and just it's interesting to watch how they administer instruction and to see like you know what what is it that they're focusing on and what are the nuances and the differences between the two services uh, and and other than just utilizing some different words and some different terms the core is still there right the core of of what's being taught is definitely still there so um but having matches like this now gives us the ability to just walk up to somebody and be like, Hey man, I'm, I'm Kalen. I'm blah, blah, blah. Like who are you and where are you from? And can I ask you a few questions about what it is that you're doing and how you want to, how you want to tackle this. And that's like, that's invaluable.
2: Oh, absolutely. And yeah, just talking to some more experienced teams, it's, it's funny because you're trying to problem solve back there. And there are definitely a couple of events that we're both looking at Charlie. like, did I not even know how to get points here. Like, <laughs> at all. So like go you know, like rub shoulders to some of the other teams like, hey, what do you guys what do you think about this one? I'm sure like so from the PRS out of house too when you guys are all back there. I'm sure it's like a similar idea. You try to go ask someone like, hey, what's uh what do I do here? <laughs> this just doesn't believe, make sense. Like
0: it's, believe it or not, that's that actually is one of those things that um that I know we try, at least myself, I try not to do that. I try to go I try to I try not to and the reason it Phil's laughing because he knows that's for me that's my that's the surefire way to just fuck myself up you know i've got to be i've got to be able to go into that with you know with my own thought process um and now yeah you try to observe how people do things and you say okay are most of your stages blind yes yeah yeah Yeah. that's badass like that's the way it should be um there should be way 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 more blind stages at matches and stuff and i think that's just the way to do things it's truly the way to test people um i love the 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 one i shot a match in arizona with phil and and you remember that one blind stage that that they had there with they had had like a a folding chair a log oh yeah a a fucking cinder block or two and some fucked up shit and they were like here you go fucking you got to shoot over this thing and you're like all right that's cool i can do that like i know what i'm doing and you just throw the shit together, and you know, you know that's how you problem solve. That's how you that's how you apply your skills that you've learned. Not you're not learning as much if you would just sit there and be like, "Oh, okay, well, I'm just going to do what these other six guys in front of me did, um, and see if I can do it a little bit cleaner." No, nah, I don't. I don't think you're going to get nearly as much value out of that as as blind stages, and and I really appreciate blind stages, even in field matches, because it's just the way it is.
2: That's right, wow. I and mean, it's fun when you're in the holding area after you're done, and you see every other team's a tent. You also like learn there, I'm like, all right, do not do that. Glad we didn't do that, or like, man, those guys just rocked it. Like, why do not we think of that? So, well,
0: there's a uh, the Steel Safari. um, you can be there. They're all blind stages and it's a, it's a hundred percent field match. So you're sitting there behind this stage and it's usually on the reverse slope of a hill or behind a giant, you know, a giant tree or a bush where you can't see anything. And like, it's, there's, there's six target stages. There's six shot stages. And I've been behind many of them where it's just like, fucking five shots go down range and then the last one hits and you're just like jesus <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, you know it's just like it, it gets in your brain where you're just like oh man that looks hard and then you get up there and you're like i don't know what the i hit them all like it's not a big deal right. so it, it it'll it'll really give you an opportunity to to just be on your own and that's the thing like you you once you connect yourself to that rifle yeah i'm you're still pretty much largely on your own making your own decisions
3: yeah and i'm I'm kind of with you on that, Kalen, as far as like in the holding area, getting ready to shoot a match. um, I like to kind of go through my own my own way of thinking on that match and and go with what I know and what I believe to be true. As soon as you start talking to these other guys, you start second guessing all that stuff. And then and then you get up on the stage and, and then you're just lost in the sauce. And so I've learned just through you know time and time again go with what you think you know that way if you fail you've got nobody to be upset with but yourself exactly. and then at the end of it all then you can go back you can recock you can talk to guys see what they did what why they were successful why they weren't and then you can utilize that um for the next stage stages to come and then even competitions to come down the down the line and i think totally. after 4 years of shooting this match that is what I attribute most of my success to is just learning from mistakes that I've made, and then also seeing other competitors fail and succeed uh, sure. as well. That, that's yeah. a great way. Honestly, that's a great way to, to to put all
1: that together and and just being, hey, trust your gut. Like what people say in the staging area is it should is just noise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just falling back to what you know, sticking to that, and then after worry about you know the aftermath after the fact that it all happens. You know what I mean? But I've definitely been in that situation where it's like, you know, someone's doing something really well and it's like, Oh, I've never done that before. It wasn't part of my game plan, but since they did it well, I'm going to go give it a shot. And then it's just a fucking train wreck. Right. (laughs) So,
0: so here's another, here's another point to that. I think Um, we've, Philip and I have shot a couple of events together uh, and squatted together. And there was uh, one event in particular where, Um, There's a long range stage. It was like, I think the, the farthest target was 1300 something yards closest target was like nine or something like that shooting across a giant open wheat field and listening to people talk. And, you know, in our, in our squad, we had some, we had, you know, upper level competitors and then new folks, people that, that have not shot something like this before. And so those new folks are, are like, they're like, they got their freaking radar, out right they're listening to every single word you say <clears throat> and they're taking everything in or hopefully they are um but then you got you got somebody that looks at it and says now nah, man i'm not i'm not holding for wind there's no wind out there to speak of and God, like, i love the wind gossip it's you're like you're just looking at this going i look at phil and i'm just like ah let's see how this pans out <clears throat> you know zero you know two out of 10 hits or something like that and and then, then, then like people are going, they don't want to believe what just happened. And then these, these really senior guys, these, you know, seasoned competitors are like, ah, something's fucked up with your gun. And then these other, you know, the new guys are like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> like, if like his gun's messed up, my gun's messed up. So <laughs> Of course. Right. And then, and then we look at each other. We're like, I want to hold for 12. You're like, yeah, I want to hold for 12. You know, you, you hit targets. And it's like, I think that there is definitely something to be said about making your own mistakes. Right. And observing like, and seeing what happens, you got to be able to see what happens. And you can't, you can't have this in the back of your mind going, okay, well, these guys said this and, and then my experience was different. And then your brain goes, okay, well, what's right. And what's wrong. Clearly that my bullets didn't hit, but why mm-hmm. that's the problem.
2: As yeah. I'm, we're, we we're really good this year at doing a quick like AR amongst ourselves and we we're done. It's kind of like, all right, we did terrible right there, but why? It's, it's easy just to go sulk or just like blame something like environmental, you know, we had a meteor shower going on during the uh, comp. So that was my excuse for every miss. But I think, yeah, if you like actually talk and try to dissect- Some
0: interplanetary, interplanetary- Yeah, yeah the, moon was, yeah, the moon was super close,
2: <laughs> you know, it, it happens. But it's super important to break down why things went wrong. We have the math and ballistics figured out so well in this profession that there's no excuse why you shouldn't be able to dissect every shot and why it went bad. Whether it's like, hey, I pulled that trigger, you know, something on my equipment wasn't set up properly, I misread wind. But I think that's a, a huge issue with just people shooting in general. to find something to blame, so figure out why and then get better
1: yeah the very yeah, first thing ma'am.
2: they blame is the equipment not themselves 100%.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah
0: and that's a and that's <clears throat> that's straight up uh are, i think i think uh a symptom of uh you know a little bit of sales stuff obviously is in there you know like you shouldn't miss and and you know my we look at this and we go okay well <clears throat> these rifles are so technologically advanced nowadays meaning not the technology is the same and maybe that's not the right word but the exacting tolerances and the the level of precision that comes from a rifle nowadays you know when i bought my first rifle if it shot better you know the the gold standard was a minute a minute of angle right i bought my first precision rifle in 1999 um and it, it it shot like three quarter of a minute and we were just like yo dude that's badass like it shoots three quarter but now it's like if if i get a barrel from from a manufacturer and it doesn't shoot it doesn't shoot like 0.2 like we got problems uh, you know what i'm saying so that thing's got we got to go figure out why that's not why it's not performing up to standard um so everybody wants to look at that and be like oh the gun should put bullets exactly where i point them and it's like, well guess what dude it does you just pointed it at the wrong fucking thing
3: right 100 percent yeah what uh
1: so talk to us about um the the overall match like uh day is it four days three days um five days it's five days yeah. oh, oh is yep. it five oh, days wow. okay okay um you know i think we focus a lot on the shooting port i think obviously with with us it's hard to talk field skills because uh, we don't do much field skills actually with with civilians but i know there's a a, a good amount of those field skills portion uh, at that event um but walk us through kind of uh some stages uh you know or the the daily events um how many how many stages you guys ran and stuff like that how how well
3: you guys think you did through the five throughout the five days so um total i think we shot uh 25 or 26 matches throughout you know the five day period um something they did this year that was different than previous years which i thought was extremely beneficial is they gave us uh the sort of the day zero of the whole event was uh, more or less an entire day with limited, um, ammunition, but more or less an entire day to zero and true and collect a little bit of data. Um, in years past, past, that has been a timed event. And I think a lot of, a lot of folks kind of got caught in the weeds with, um, you know, not performing as well as they wanted to there. And then, you know, obviously being rushed and not getting the solid data that is crucial to, you know, being successful. Um, from there on out, it was basically, you know, early mornings. We're starting at daybreak uh, and we're shooting all the way up until until dusk, um, usually about, you know, if you do the math, four to five um, events today. And this year we shot only one uh, one night iteration. We shot two events. Um, usually there's a couple more nights in that, but this year there wasn't. Uh, which I'm not, I'm not complaining about. Don't get me wrong, but um, it is also nice to get that practice uh, at night too. So um, we shot three days in a row, uh, just shooting matches, more or less. Uh, We had a stock on the fourth day. And then uh, the last day was just kind of like a a half day with um, a couple other kind of last minute events, your final shot and whatnot. And then we went into a vendor shoot as well. So we got to hang out with all the all the guys that came out to support us, um, all our sponsorships and whatnot. So that's always a good time too. How'd you guys do your stock? So it was a live fire stock um, and the way they had the points sort of oriented for that event, um, it was awesome. It gave you a chance to gain points to, you know, get in and get a good positive idea without getting busted. But then you also got graded on uh, actually getting an impact on target And so there's kind of, it was one of those deals where the situation we found ourselves in, we kind of had to make a decision um, and weigh, was it worth getting at least some points and compromising maybe a a solid ballistic loophole versus maybe busting time or getting seen in, um, you know, a more solid, you know, open ballistic loophole. And we kind of chose to go with uh, getting a little bit more hidden. Um, which got us some points on the board for the stock we got two positive ids we didn't get walked on um so that was great but then when the when the shot came around uh, we uh There's we absolutely tree in the woods. yeah we we smoked a limit about a hundred so um it is what it is you know we learned from it but you know all things considered it, each event kind of has that those things where you got to game it a little bit and you gotta you got to take what you can get where you can get it and uh we we're, were happy to come away with some points on it for that,
0: sure that is that i can't Okay. man that's so important yeah yeah it's it's so important because you know we we come away from school is with this super false sense of security when it comes to greenside stalking and shooting and you we don't do uh, enough live fire i mean i as far as i'm concerned every stock should be a live fire stock like it really should because you know um thinking and all the bullshit that you get taught about like oh deflection, this and it's like motherfucker, a blade of grass <laughs> is gonna deflect that bullet. Like right. no bullshit. So and the only way that you're gonna understand that is to have that experience mm-hmm. and go, I just I missed that target at like seven hundred grass, man. Like, yeah, your your shit's gonna be erratic. Um mm-hmm. and and being able to put students in that situation and, and expose them to that through. And it's like, I didn't have to do, I didn't do any type of deflection training until I went to the advanced course. And even then it was just like, okay, let's, let's put a B let's put a branch up against this barrel and see if, see what it's going to do. And let's shoot through a, uh, you know, a bunch of grass and see what it's going to do. And it's like, don't you think we should be doing that at the basic level? I mean, like you smoke, check the branch. Um, that happens like that happens like how your focal planes and being able to see everything and especially in a wooded environment um you're a hunter tristan you're you're a bow hunter right yes sir so i bow hunted for for several years before i got back into rifle hunting and i grew up bow hunting and those things happen i've i've watched at least four people smoke branches with a screaming bull at 30 to 40 yards yep right and Mm -hmm. pow that the arrows just smacks that branch like dead center like the universe just came down with a big ass hand and said not today bitch (laughs) you know and that's and 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 we got to be exposed to those scenarios so that way we can go oh shit dude i need to look for that next time
3: yeah yeah no 100 percent. i mean uh i've gotten the opportunity to do two live fire stocks and, and both times it's been uh humbling you think you can get away with a lot more than you actually can in reality and i think especially for these new guys that have only done um you know non-live fire stocks there's a big big difference between getting a good visual loophole where you can see what you're looking at and actually getting a ballistic loophole and uh, i think you know having that opportunity even if it means you fail is it's priceless there's a lot of value that comes from that
1: totally Absolutely. Yeah, and, that, and that's one thing I did appreciate when I did go to International and uh, AFSAM was, uh, that was the first time I I'd ever done a lot of fire stock um, was at those events. And, um, you know, we, we made a cautious decision uh, of making sure that we had a, because just the way that the uh, uh, instructor staff, you know, uh, made the point scale, right? It's like, hey, an impact on steel or you know on your target it's worth more than you know being compromised we're like all right well we want to get hit on steel regardless who we get walked on or whatever and um yeah i mean we saw or you know you would hear right uh because i'm assuming they'd they'd uh, mark your positions with uh stakes of where yeah. you know, where your muzzle's at and then you just wait like a round robin to figure out who's shooting and then you'd hear <laughs> you'd hear a shot go off and you didn't hear anything Nothing. Like, oh, no, fuck. Anyway,
0: uh. <laughs> <laughs> or you hear or you hear that weird like bullet ripping through the sky that that hit a branch at 100 yards you're just yep. like oh. yeah,
3: that ricochet buzz <laughs> yeah
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> so no that's that's cool um what uh so you i'm assuming it was a team stock how, how was your guys's
3: um how was the stock lane how, how far did you guys have to move oof so um first of all there were 70 people on the stock lane 35 teams two-man teams and uh what? I mean, it, dude, was busy. It, it was next level busy. Um, we had guys getting busted next to us at like, you know, 5, 10 yards. And we're just like, oh my God. <laughs> this is terrible. Move. Um, <laughs> just like, but let the, the overall movement, we did a, we did a short ruck uh, to it. I think it was three or four mile ruck into the stock. And then the actual stock lane was probably, you know, 1,500 meters long. And our FFP, the point we had to get to before we could actually engage the target was 600. Um, granted, okay. it was... Okay. it was it was peanut butter thick so if you were out back at 600 uh no way you were up in the it, sky yeah. because got there it. was no way you were gonna see it so i think the average range was probably in the 300 meter range we got to um, like 305 and uh like i said ballistic loophole wasn't there but we pulled
0: some points off of it so that's all we can ask for how did they how did they structure those points in, in that
2: uh so this year you got Getting in undetected and taking a shot, I think, was 20-some points. If you didn't get walked on, another 20-some, and then, like, five points in total. I know we don't have to now if our radicals, but they still want to see you dialing
3: winded gene you know elevation just to make sure that you thought about it. Um, yeah, there was points for uh, shooter identification and a spotter identification. Um, obviously, if you got walked on or busted on infill, you're done. I mean, no points there. And then as far as the shot sequence goes, first round impact was an additional 25 points. Second round impact, you cut that in half. And then obviously, if you didn't hit it in two rounds, you're walking out with a zero on the on the shooting portion. So I think total points available for the whole the whole stock was somewhere in the uh, 60 to 80 point range. Uh, Don't hold me to that. I, I don't have the match scheme on hand, but roughly in there. And they split it up fairly well so that, you know, at least half of it was the actual stock portion. And then the other half was. Uh, making a good uh, impact on steel got it yeah
1: that's always tough too because I I know that uh, in some matches like the International Cyber Cup that I went in 2015 it's tough in in regards to how to weigh uh, events like that you know what I mean and uh, I think a a large success of why we took third my teammate and I took third uh, was because we got a hundred on the stock um, mm-hmm. and when, when you don't get a hundred on the stock, like I, that hurts, you know I mean? You could do, you crush the rest of the uh, event, but if you don't, if you've got a zero on that, it's like, good luck coming, you know, coming back. So yeah. I think from a, you know, match director standpoint, it's like, man, how do I, how do I actually weigh this? That it's not, it's not hurting too many people, but it's also right. helping people that are, you know, uh, that are, uh, that are down there. Cause obviously the, the whole. Sniper craft is not just shooting, right? We
2: want to incorporate mm-hmm. field skills and, and whatnot.
1: But no, that's
2: cool. I think overall in this comp they did a great job incorporating more like field craft. Or we did it. We ran to the uh, call for fire simulator this year. Oh, cool. Oh, uh, that was really fun. Good. Like I, I personally I hadn't done target detection in quite a while, and they they made a TD lane of all TD lanes. They oh, nice. Up, yeah, I took us up on a five story building and this huge mount site, and they're like, all right, they're in. You know, the town, good luck. 360 degrees, yep. So I was able to pull off top TD score for the whole comp, so I was pretty proud of that. But it was the normal, like, spotting scope, scanning visual eye, and definitely had to uh, think back to some schoolhouse fundamentals there, like, hey, scanning hard lines, all that thing's a different color. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's NIM4 mag, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, okay, so it was life-size, like, realistic objects, not a bunch of toys, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. All military-style
3: objects. Yeah, uh, did you uh, do? you
1: guys do a um, land nav exercise before that to get to we the site?
2: We didn't do land nav this year, which is a little disappointing. I would like to see that incorporated. Like maybe instead of a ruck, a movement, yeah, like you have to navigate point to point to get somewhere. Okay, but
1: yeah, Tristan, not, did you guys uh, do
3: that uh, in the past? Another event in, in previous years? Yeah, so uh, previous years we've had um, a, a land navigation lane kind of stock combined so there were several different points that you had to navigate to but then also kind of be cognizant of you know how you're moving because there were observers at every point and then there was also you had to gain a visualization from three or four sides of that point so okay. um, that was kind of a, a unique and, and uh, pretty awesome exercise that we've done in the past um, that was the one and only time I've ever done that but I would like to see that again cool
1: yeah. Uh, what I remember, I think I know exactly what mountain town you did. Uh, you did that. We, we did a, a night land nav the night prior. And the last point was the hill that, uh, you essentially observed observed from, from this mountain town. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, they gave us like, Hey, once you get to your you know site, um, you know, you can observe from first thing in the morning till 12, that's when your extract is. So we had four hours to observe the mount town and look for um you know real life uh size objects but you have to also do that uh while remaining undetected because they had um guys on the objective
2: observing same concept yep Yep. cool cool yeah super fun event overall i think you had to mill some targets this year too which like that's probably a craft with all of our fancy range finders and everything nowadays that
3: people need to stay sharp on and Think pretty well at that yeah old school hmm. rangy uh, milling targets they gave us uh live live moving targets so like some of the instructors we had um we had a little bit of time prior to the competition starting to get good measurements on them and then uh, convert that over to our constants and then um, you know just your standard uh, out on a landing landing strip they would move various distances and you had to mill them out and uh, do your conversions and, and get a good range on them within.
0: What was the, uh, what was the, the threshold for accuracy?
3: So using uh, your, your optic on your rifle, um, you had to be within 5%. And then the other avenue we used was just your naked eye. You had to be within 15% of that. You, you know what would be cool? And
1: I thought about doing, the, I thought about uh, giving them a critique on this because um, I remember doing that exercise, but instead of grading it uh, for like your score, but they would, I, I think what they should do is just put a target there, right? And then have you engage it, like after after the fact. So like, you know, they they have 10 different spots where that live target walks around, you know what I mean? Right. You, get, you try to get an mm-hmm. area and then, you know, essentially you go blind and then you go back up and now you engage steel targets that, you know, you had that individual there to see how well you range versus, sure. you know, the Absolutely. actual. Does that, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, that was, that's that was a little more
2: realistic. Yeah, that was one of our night shoots this year, actually. And it was an ass kicker across the board. So the spotters, we had something dumb like three minutes to go observe F-type targets anywhere from like three to 600 at night. And there are five out there, and I had to make a range card and mill them for Tristan. And then he had something dumb like three minutes also <clears> to... <throat> Refine those targets, and then used my super crappy hand-drawn range card to try to figure out how far away they were and shoot them. And I think you were one of what like three guys that got any impacts at all. That was a tough. It was a tough one. Super fun and stressful, but
0: well, just imagine. You know, from Phil, you know, we just we just taught some Marines down in Texas, and we did um, some night shooting stuff, and even night man everything changes and people don't train for it very much and um i've been real fortunate to do quite a few uh night shooting events for one of the companies that that i help out be Myers, um, who made that makes the mall and learning a ton of stuff just working with working at night on a static environment learning hey like seriously this is what really works and this is what doesn't work don't even try to do that shit right because it's not even going to work for you let's focus over here because this is what we know actually works and guys don't get a chance to train like that at night like we threw the we threw the marines um our first night shoot was basically like hey we're going to check offsets and then we are going to walk you guys out and make sure that you have data at um you know at distance and then we ran them through a a competition of just like a little miniature stage that phil set up and what we gave him phil like six minutes or something six minutes it was like six minutes, and the hit and the hit percentage was below 50%, mm-hmm. well below
3: 50%. Like you said, we don't get nearly the amount of time shooting at night as we do it in the daylight, so we're not nearly as familiar with all the components that go into shooting at night. And yep. I, uh, that was very, very evident with some of the newer shooters this year. Um, they'd come off the line, and they'd be like, man, I could not see a thing. I don't know what was going on. I couldn't figure out. And then you'd sit down and talk with them and be like, all right, well, one, run me through what exactly you did. And let's see if we can catch the deficiency where, or you're, you know, if you're doing something wrong or what. And nine times out of 10, it was something simple that they just did not know how to utilize their equipment. Um, right. Yeah. For instance, one, you know, one individual just forgot to take the lens cap off of his IR flood. Ugh. You know what I mean? And yeah. if you can't, you know, if you're, if you don't have your IR flood going, it's going to be pretty dark out there. So yeah. little things like that. And unfortunately those things are lessons uh, you can only learn if you, if you fuck if you them make the mistake yeah. And yeah, so, mistake. Um, you know, it sucks in the moment, but I guarantee that that individual will not make that mistake again. And that yep. is extremely valuable.
0: It matter, just shooting at night. Um, uh, last week, we we're doing some testing for, for B e. Myers. I'm looking at a few different beams that come from different, um, different products in their line. And we had about 78% humidity and it was about 33 degrees Fahrenheit with a dew point of 29 degrees. So we're like, we're really getting close to, to hitting saturation point. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that rifle would fire um, my, 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 my spotting scope as well as my rifle scope would completely gray out. And yep. so what was happening is just the, the condensation from the muzzle blast was condensing right in front of the field of view and I couldn't see anything mm-hmm. right you can't see you can't even see even as an observer you can't see effects on target and so you know we tried moving the spotting scope farther away to the left or to the right to make sure that we could try to get away from that but then you run the risk of losing perception and not picking up trace and so unless you're exposed to that you get into a situation in a real world scenario and you're like what is happening right now? I don't understand why I can't see what's going on. And we want to expose ourselves to that stuff in training and, and go into a match like that. will, you know, if if you don't do it in training, it's going to cost you a bunch of time and points at a match, but you, you learn from it nonetheless.
3: Right. And it's, it's like that. So you get exposed to it there. Right. But unfortunately you don't get, you don't get the opportunity to go right back on the line and then address that problem. So, right. Being, you know, it gets stuck in your head, right? So for my, you know, you've got to annotate that you got to write that down. And then when you finally do get that range day and it comes around four five, six months later, you have to remember that and be like, you know what guys, this is what we need to do. We need to go through various applications, how this stuff works and figure out why this is happening and how we can mitigate it. And yep. those little lessons that I personally learn out on these competitions are then translated to my guys, you know, in the section
0: mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Yeah, that's, sure. that's super important. And when you look back at, you know, these competitions, it's like, these competitions aren't really for you guys, it's for your junior or your junior league snipers, right. Mm-hmm. For them to learn um, from your guys' mistakes. Cause I think that's, you know, one of uh, uh, what competition really highlights is, is your, all of your mistakes, right. Cause we, we sometimes when we get to the range, you know, we want to feel good. We want to hit the close targets, we, you know, and, and I, I call it institutionalized where you start from near to far all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you go 300 all the way out to a thousand. Well, in your head, what you'd normally do is you fucking, you have the ability, you have just the mindset of like, hey, okay, well, my win call at 300 was 0. 0.4, maybe at 400, it's going to be 0.5, right? Yeah, you just start stacking. You just start, start stacking. Stack you yep. never give yourself the benefit of the doubt of making a fresh win call, yep. right? Where these, where these, these matches really force you to be like okay what the hell is the wind doing mm-hmm. um, so w- one thing i did want to ask you guys is uh especially um tris and kind of what your shooter kit looked like in terms of like if you had a rear bag if you had a sling and what uh like your uh like pre-event checklist looked like in terms of like, all right you guys got your stage brief you guys would talk it out what is what does it look like in terms of getting your
3: guns ready for uh this event yeah 100 so uh, first, of all, first of all, I will admit that I have some extremely strange superstitious quirks uh, that I work through every
0: time. Uh, I, I, We're all weird, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah,
3: and, and <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta have it. And if I forget one single thing, and something goes wrong, you know, that you're damn right, that's what I'm blaming it on. But um, <laughs> as, as far as uh, actual prep stuff goes, um, I do run a rear bag. Uh, my favorite is the Armageddon uh, Game Changer. Uh, with the heavy fill, um, it's rock solid in the back. So that's my favorite for belly shooting. Um, as far as tripod stuff, this year we were fortunate enough to uh, run some of Field Optics' uh, new tripod systems and they were next level. I mean, that was a uh, a component to this year's competition that we haven't had in prior competitions and I think it was uh, very beneficial for us. Um, as far as going through uh, like that mental pre-shoot checklist um it's kind of the same every time you know we're, we're updating our environmentals in our ballistic calculators whether it be a cash or what have you uh we're going through our data depending on the stage we're either going to write down if it's known distance stuff we're going to write down our target distances we're going to write down our dope for those target distances and we're going to try to memorize that stuff um, making sure you got everything you need ready to roll so you know, if you need to do a mag magazine uh, load change or whatever, you've got you've got your mags ready. You you have them familiarized with where they are in your kit, and uh, you can be efficient in your movement. Um, kind of double checking and double tapping with with Max, my partner. You know, we're always like, okay, what are you gonna do if this happens? Are you tracking this? These are your targets in order, and we just kind of uh, do little mental checks with each other back and forth to make sure that we're. Uh, constantly tracking the same thing that we're always on the same sheet of music. And then um, just kind of getting that visual visualization prior to the actual match. So that when we get in there um, it's as close to what we expected, you know, with a couple deviations, but if you can really get that visual visualization down before you go in, usually the uh, you know, there, there's a little less surprise involved.
0: I get to a point now where like, what it looks like, you know, uh, in terms of like target detection, people struggle. Phil, like you could probably echo this. I mean, what's like the biggest thing that people struggle with is trying to find targets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Remember where targets are, and I'm a hunter. Like I use these skills now outside of teaching people. I hunt in the mountains, and I need to know. Like, i like you need to have those skills, or else you're not going to find animals. You might find the animal, but then you can't find it again. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Having, you know, utilizing those skills and even like like a map, like when I'm studying a new area, I want to, it's almost like already ingrained in my brain where I'm like, I should be able to take a photographic image of this map imprint it into my brain. So that way I know like, okay, I don't have to be taking my map out every five seconds to do a map check and be like, what terrain feature is it that I'm going to be coming up on next? I should already know like, I should already know what terrain feature I'm coming up on next and I should already know the second and third terrain feature that's after that. Right. And that comes from just memorizing, memorizing things for the sake of efficiency. Yep. And that's, right. and I, I love the fact that you guys are talking about it. that's badass.
2: memorizing, or especially on like, you know, engagements for like your tasks is like fine range and engage on a distance targets, like TRPs are always everywhere. You need to be using them like is the most efficient way to walk each other on to different targets, especially in like the shooter spotter role. Like I should be scanning. Like I think like me as a spotter, like if I find a target first, I should immediately find a TRP right next to it. Like, hey Trish, you see that burned out barrel? All right, cool, come to the, you know, 630 of that. Hey, there it is, sweet, all right, we're on it. And then Mm -hmm. we can get going into it. Like just dialing in your communication efficiency is key for
3: like both time management and actually like getting onto a target. And I think with that sure. part of what what, what we game plan prior to in the holding area is kind of a blueprint, um, you know, all right, you're going to cover this side of the range, I'm going to cover this side of the range. So that way we're not overlapping um, and we're not wasting time looking at the same thing. You know what I mean? And so we're taking that mental <laughs> image and usually these ranges are pretty, pretty wide, you know, so you can't see everything at once. So you split it up and then we can talk each other, you know, onto the target we need to engage. And that is something that, it, you have to experience and you have to you have to kind of learn oh, yeah. the hard way um, because you're like man we just missed half the targets because we were only looking at one side of the range we got tunnel vision and you know the time frame and the stress got the best of us and we didn't make the most of our time and so you do that once or twice and then you come <clears> out of it and you're like all right man let's think about this let's split it down the middle you go left to right i'll go right to left meet you in the middle we'll go from there and, the, and yeah. that little little things like that make a big difference as far as time and efficiency Absolutely man. Are you running a Binos uh Max as a spotter or were you just
2: running the Leopold uh spotter? I'm just was running the Leopold spotter this year. Uh a little AR for next year. I'm definitely gonna be running Binos. I was okay. enlightened on that last year, spotting through Binos, and it yeah. is different. Like if anyone listening, if you're a shooter and haven't looked through Binos spotting, <laughs> it is so much nicer. You need to do it. Like I-
0: yeah and i think uh uh, just my point of view here is is less magnification also um i think a lot of a lot of hunters want to do that you know that that 10 to 15 magnification range um and and i'm actually the opposite like my hunting vinyls are eight power Uh, i i want a large field of view uh, as long as it's as long as it's nice and clear um i want a wider field of view and so that way i can narrow narrow my focus when necessary and um even you know obviously the vectors that's a seven power binocular right so um that's all you need that's that's really all you need you don't need much more than that
2: yeah yeah absolutely big fan of yeah blood magnification and the biggest objective lenses you can get just suck in all the light and helps you see trace a lot
0: yep mm-hmm.
2: for sure
3: are you guys going to international i'm assuming since you won this you guys are are you guys getting a seat to international this year Yep. We got a seat to the international. Cool. We're going to do a six week train up prior to, so we're going to start uh, mid February. I think the comp this year is the 11th through the 16th. And so uh, uh, we'll February February. Month. of mm-hmm. April, of April, oh, of on. April, yeah, February, we start and we'll, sh- we'll shoot the comp on the 11th uh, of April. So we'll get cool. a good five, six week train up um, a little break to kind of reset <clears throat> and relax. And then we'll, r- we'll roll into the competition. It should be pretty awesome. Cool. Um, so, you know,
1: I know we don't want to take too much of your guys' time. I know you guys got stuff to do, but a couple last couple questions that I have, you know, for hopefully guys that are listening to this, you know, uh, that are in the shoes that you guys are maybe getting ready for um, international or, uh, you know, maybe AFSIM next year for younger snipers. What, obviously, what, what do you guys recommend? Uh, what's some kind of pointers that you guys, you know, would want to give those
2: guys to to get ready for something like this? I'd say go have a chat with your command now and let them know that, hey, on the outside, this might just look like, oh, we're going to send the guys just go mess around at a competition. You really need to pitch to them the training value that we get out of this and how it is impossible to recreate on the command side. So get your command on board and then they'll help get you there. Cuz then you can, hey, do you think we can request an extra range for next year before we go or a few weeks before can we draw guns make sure they're set up start just getting communication and then on the guard side of the house if you want to do this you need to put in your personal time like you're never going to get enough time just at drill or your annual training to be proficient at this and yeah. honestly we still even aren't i made so many just bonehead rookie mistakes at this event that would have been fixed if i just spent more time doing it on my own so just you're never going to be good enough to constantly be training fundamentals and then work with the command to get you there. That's my advice.
3: Yeah. I think, uh, obviously you can't always get hands on your equipment, the equipment that you're going to run at these competitions, but get your hands on what you can. Um, and if you can't get your hands on anything, then sit down with somebody, you know, somebody that would benefit from it and go through some classes. And the best way to get, um, efficient with your craft is to be able to teach it. And I think hundred percent. If you can sit down and teach something to somebody else, it will not only help you retain that information and learn from it, but it'll, it'll also teach that to someone else. So, um, that was actually one of the beneficial things for us coming into this competition. We had our annual training range day and it, it gave me the opportunity to teach these younger guys, uh, more or less for two days straight, and even though I didn't get to uh, pull the trigger and get behind the gun one single time, it sharpened my skills a little bit more. It it reminded me, you know, what we're what we're doing, what we're working with, and I think that's absolutely invaluable. Um, as far as the actual AFSAM and Winston P. Wilson competition, I think guys that uh, maybe don't perform as well as as they wanted, or they go down there and they get embarrassed. It happens to all of us, man. Uh, We go down there, we zero events too, and it sucks. But I think the biggest thing is regardless of how you do, try to get another seat back to it because year after year, you're going to get better. You're going to learn new things. And if you can come into a competition um, the next year after just shooting it, just give yourself a realistic goal of doing better than you did before and uh, manage your expectations, understand that disappointment and being humbled is part of it and just learn from that and, and take from it what you can. That is why I'm a big fan of the comp- competitive shooting when I started
1: doing it because I, I realized that the competitive shooting aspect was a way to, to get training, that I knew I, I couldn't get back in my unit just because you know the just the, the lack of ideas were there and stuff like that it's like it's like we were just doing the same shit over and over again you know being on our fucking belly sh- shooting unknown distance think and, so. you know one through ten and, and stuff like that uh so i think that's uh that's super cool
2: do you guys shoot at all like do you guys have any like personal bolt guns or anything like that yeah i was showing him i got a pretty tricked out f4 defense gas gun right now but okay loving getting used to it um i still want to build a bolt gun but i'm like a such a quality over quantity kind of guy I'm saving up just to get the full custom dream gun build. Cool.
3: Uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to actually, I won a, a Barrett MRAD at the 2018 ISC. So that was pretty kick-ass. So that's definitely been beneficial in my, you know, personal uh, training apparatus. Um, I've got a gas gun that I run a little bit here and there as well. And then uh, obviously I get a lot of trigger time behind, uh, you know, things that don't shoot bullets. So that I think is beneficial uh, in its own sense
1: there when so like a story right about um uh, about you guys winning and you know pretty much outperforming the the soft units and the, the raider units I, I it's a poor way of communicating information that i feel like divides the community um 100 right because just like you said the amount of camaraderie and stuff like that uh that is built at those competitions and the and the relationships that are built like I, i've got a lot of you know uh good friends and snipers that i've met at these competitions that i keep in touch with now all the time and uh you know they're they're always you know pinging me and asking me for like your advice and the same things like hey uh you know what about i asked them from a you know uh employment in our tactics standpoint hey what about this uh
3: you know and you know who are really phenomenal shooters is actually the coast guard Mm -hmm. Uh, so do you shoot with those guys at the isc Yep. They shot in 2018 and, and they were, they were lights out, man. Yeah. We, they were on our tails the whole time and yeah. uh, thoroughly impressed with those guys for sure.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's, um, it's just sad that there's guys out there that, you know, they, they don't paint the whole story about what every team goes through. And um, I, I hope this gives um, you know our viewers and stuff like that a, a little bit more understanding of, you know what your guys' uh, train training look like, and and honestly, it's it's nothing different than um, let's say a uh, 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 an active duty Marine Corps uh, unit. You know, I, I think shit. Considering that you guys only shoot two hundred rounds a year, I mean that that would be the same as an instructor at, at, at a schoolhouse if he all he did was um, use you know the annual training or the 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 instructor shoots. Uh, but one of the things that I try to do, if I could, was uh, you know shoot while on the line with my students because it's easy, you know, especially you know when you're in that instructor status to just get super complacent and and not you know um, keep up with your skills, right? And um, no, I I think uh, no, I think it's it's super awesome that you guys are both very in in. In a sense, junior snipers, uh, but you guys just crushed it in it. And like you said, it's a testament to the instructor staff that you guys have down there at the uh, the National Guard Schoolhouse. Um, you know, the fundamentals march trip, obviously that Kayla and I harp on. Uh, but you know, your your willingness to uh, you know con- come back to these competitions, regardless of you know maybe not performing as well as you you think you did, um, and then just continuing to learn and then pass those those lessons learned on to your junior snipers.
3: Yeah, I, was, I would say we've been fortunate to uh, have support and backing, you know, obviously from our unit and state uh, for the last four years to get us back to these competitions. And, and um, you know, we learn something new every time we come down here. We get humbled every time we come down here. And to be completely honest with you, more times than not, uh, I think a lot of our successes we can attribute to luck. You know what I mean? I think that's a big part of shooting, uh, whether people want to admit it or not. I think I've been pretty lucky through my career and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw that to the wayside. I'm fortunate for every every single ounce of it, but um, you know, being able to experience these competitions and just get routine uh, trigger time during these things, and then also being able to get you know various train ups for the ISC and whatnot, you know, it's invaluable. And so, um, we're thankful for that. We're we're glad to have the the training we do have, and uh, I think just you know being able to to get to come back to these competitions is you know that's kind of where we make our money and and can't ask for much more
2: yeah i think it's going into highlight too for everyone like one on social media it's like oh the national guard kicks sauce ass and like first of all damn right we did but also <laughs> I just highlight like there's no secret sauce it's like the only difference between like Raiders, snipers, special forces, snipers and you know, it's like it should just be like the doctrinal philosophy, like how they utilize as far as like mm-hmm. the shooting and field craft are concerned, It's like just execute the fundamentals and train the basics of what you know, and you will be successful. So,
3: I know, I was- yeah, I don't I mean you look at the scorecard and sure we might've came out on top of, of this competition, but at the end of the, the day, the guys that we're shooting against are next level and they've got responsibilities that, that we can't fathom. Um, they're working on stuff that, that we are not familiar with uh, in any way, shape or form. And they have a lot more to do on their plate than, than we do sometimes. So I think to say that the national guard has better snipers than, you know, these, the soft community and, and more whatever you want to say. Um, I think it's, A little bit ignorant Uh, we're not going to take that claim uh, ever Um, we've got a lot of work to do there's always room for improvement and we're fortunate to be a part of such a a legit community and I think whatever we can do to uh, maintain a good relationship with this community and keep it tight-knit and keep it positive that's what we're gonna strive for because um, you know networking is everything and there's always someone out there who's better than, than you. And if we can, uh, if we can take that advice and and learn, learn from our mistakes and learn from other people's mistakes and uh, just be humble, I think we'll, we'll gain a lot more than any article could ever write about us.
0: Yep. 100%. Awesome. Can you guys hear me now? Got you now, man. Yep. Awesome. Well, I mean, just listen to you guys talk about that last little segment. Um, it just shows, you know, first and foremost, it shows who you guys are as, as people um, and, you know, where your ethos are and where your your moral stand. That's that's awesome, because we I, I, I saw it come across the wire. Right. Phil, you saw it come across the wire and people are like, oh, National Guard snipers beat a bunch of soft guys. And it's like, well, yeah, I think that you're you're you know if you just utilize that as a baseline to to like blanket statement over everything that's that is showing a lot of ignorance um so i really appreciate where you guys are coming from from there and like you said hey in this particular event we came out on top that's it okay Mm -hmm. and and so we all know that that can change at the drop of a hat too
1: oh absolutely yeah
2: yeah
0: awesome I mean, but you
1: guys better be proud of your men and fucking hold it high because that's that's oh, no, well, we are. <laughs> that shit for you know
0: just like Max was like, Yeah, damn right we beat Soft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so
1: um Hey guys, hey uh I w- we wish you guys the best of luck for your uh your train up for um ISC um as a former competitor of two year two two event two years there. Uh, I think it did fifteen and eighteen. Um it's uh it's definitely rewarding regardless of where you finish and um you know i, I look forward to uh, seeing you guys on top because uh yeah I think you guys have the right mindset for it um so i'll be checking the scoreboards and hopefully um you know we've got uh uh essentially uh, guys on the ground there to you know give us updates on, on how you guys are doing um but if you guys got any you know if you guys you know need anything from us please don't hesitate to reach out um, absolutely in terms of uh, you know gear or, or whatever, um, you know, even though obviously our our allegiance allies you know to the the Marine Corps sniper side of the house. I uh, said this is a recording, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you
3: know,
1: the the modern day sniper is is you know we wanted to make sure that it, it encompasses all of our you know professional brothers regardless of you know what uniform we wear because same team and you know we we want to, uh, yeah we want to help anyone out to just be better at scraft and uh we love what we do so
3: yeah man when i when i saw modern day sniper pop up on my uh instagram messages asking if we wanted to be a part of a podcast i i uh i had to kind of look twice at it and be like no no (laughs) but no man it's uh it's truly awesome for you guys to have us on this thing um extreme honor 100 percent um and uh we we really we really do appreciate you guys uh, giving us the offer to reach out and, and maintain lines of communication because I think that's something that not only for us, but for our state and our unit, I think uh, will be invaluable moving forward. So thank it you very just, much.
0: Well, you guys know where to get hold of us.
3: All right, guys, um,
1: uh, so if you guys listen to this, um, hey, where can uh, the guys that are listening find you guys if you guys are, I mean, if you guys are available to disclose your social media information
3: yeah, no, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a nobody from Colorado, man, but uh, if they want to look at uh, things I'm into, uh, I'm on Instagram, T of Cobb, um, and then, you know, I, I'm pretty new to the social media thing, so that's that's about all I've got cooking right now. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll post we'll post your guys' social media stuff too in the comments and stuff like that for guys to follow
1: you, um, you know, to, to, to just see your journey and stuff like that, because at, at least I
2: know that I'm going to be curious to see what you guys are going to be up to now. Go ahead, Max. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I got a Instagram too. It's CO underscore FZJ80. Um, yeah. Give us a follow. It's a small community. It's like, I love the networking aspect of it. Just know people from all over the place. And so sort I of think like Monday Sniper, it's sweet what you guys are doing because you're bringing the whole community together and giving everyone a gut check on fundamentals that everyone's forgetting or being complacent on. So keep it up
0: right on man well thank you guys uh, and and it was great to virtually meet both of you guys man i i'm just with phil i can't wait to see where you guys go and and we hope that you reach out and 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 utilize you know utilize this line of communication if you need it and you know we're here we're here to answer your questions when you need when you need them
3: yeah likewise obviously a pleasure to meet you guys virtually hopefully one day we can actually shake hands and uh get some range time together but until then uh this will suffice so we definitely appreciate it awesome man definitely. awesome.
0: All right guys. Uh thanks for coming in and, and uh, you guys know the drill for everyone that's listening. Keep your face on the gun.